0: Hey guys, I'm here to tell you about the Athletics' special three-part narrative series, The Making of Messi. Unless you've been hiding under a rock, you've probably heard that the greatest soccer player of all time is coming to MLS and Miami, and is set to make his debut this weekend. To coincide with that seismic event in U.S. sports, the Athletic chartered his extraordinary career to explain why he really is the GOAT in almost every department, as well as explain his complex relationship with Argentina and the uniqueness of the deal that convinced him to swap Europe for the States. To listen, search for The Making of Messi wherever you get your podcasts.
2: And welcome to the Total Soccer Show. We are recording this episode just before midnight on Friday evening, which is why I went for a loud but quiet hello and welcome so that I didn't wake up my toddler. But it's difficult, Joe, because it was an exciting evening of the soccers as the U.S. Women's National Team kicked off their 2023 World Cup campaign with a 3-0 win over Vietnam. Joe Lowry, you watched it. We talked about it once already on the BR app. We're going to do it again, but a little bit longer this time.
0: Roll the tape, we, wait, we just have that recorded, right? We can, wait, we're not, we're doing it again? No, this was fun, it was a fun game, uh, lots to enjoy, some things not to enjoy as much, mm-hmm. and, and that's kinda how these things go, but Taylor, ultimately, the US Women's National Team is back at the World Cup, they've gotta win under their belts, a lot of these players who've never been at a World Cup before, Trinity Rodman and Sophia Smith, to name just a couple, got their first win, got some some really successful actions in the final third, in general, like, positive, good stuff. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, I suspect the general takeaway is going to be more negative or more neutral. Uh, I think that is what has long been the case with this U S women's program dating back to 2015 when they sort of started slowly. I think it was a draw with Sweden to kick things off, but then they just sort of keep improving from there. The narrative on them from 2019 seems to have been that they were slow starters, though they began with a 13 0 win over Thailand. It wasn't think, 14 Taylor.
0: It wasn't 14. It wasn't
2: 14. it could have been 14, should have been could 14. Have been. Uh, but I think the idea there was like, once again, against weaker opposition, they were good, but then they had to kind of round into form, figure some things out, click at the right moments. And they did. And so I think there was maybe interest in would the United States be able to kind of hit the ground running. I would say a win does that. But against a Vietnam team that I predicted to have the worst goal difference of any team at this tournament, a 3-0 win is probably not what was fully expected. But I still would say a, a positive result overall.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about it, right? We'll get into some of the nitty gritty stuff, even though like, posi- I said the word positive, you said the word positive, mm-hmm. a lot to like. There's there's also some stuff that could have and, and yeah. probably needs to be better going forward. That's all fair. We can loop all these things under the same umbrella. I mean, at the same time, totally dominant. Like, like it would have been difficult mm-hmm. for the US to be more dominant in this game. Not impossible, I think it would have probably been impossible for Spain to be more dominant against Costa Rica with their 46 shots, especially after yeah. going up three nil so early on. For the US, it it would have been hard to be more dominant. They had 28 shots to Vietnam's zero. Zero shots for Vietnam in this entire game. There was never a moment where I felt that the US was truly threatened. Taylor, I think you would probably agree with that. Mm -hmm. The US, even with Vietnam coming out hot early, and not hot as in like, oh, we're gonna be dangerous in the attack, but hot as in <laughs> like, I'm gonna put a shoulder into yep. you. Even with Vietnam coming out hot, which I, I kind of respect, because I think they needed to find an edge, and, and sure. they kind of got one in the first five, six, seven minutes. Even with that, the US was under control, they weren't like griping to the referee all the time, they were generally you know keeping track of what was going on, they had their foot on the ball, and, and with the quality that the US has against a team like Vietnam, that is going to turn into chances and goals, and it, yep. it did turn into both of those things. And so the reason why I think
2: this performance overall is going to be received more critically than more enthusiastically, I think you could see that a little bit in the post game already, is just that the bar is very high. The bar has been set, and at the same time, I think the expectation is somewhat there's no way they can win three in a row and, and and so i think if you saw this game in a vacuum if this were if the united states hadn't won the last two i guess there'd probably be pressure in a different way but i do, i think that this would be seen as like okay like let's see what comes next they got the win they got some goals some people looked good now let's see how they do against the dutch and i think that should very much be our sort of broad takeaway from this game But obviously, we're going to get into the details because that's what we do. It's the Total Soccer Show. So, Joe, uh, before we get to lineups, before we get to tactics, um, it has been much discussed on this show, much discussed on the Discord, uh, much joked about that you occasionally get a headache watching Vlatko Andonovsky's teams. What were you hoping for before you saw the lineups, before this game was played? What did you want to see from the United States that would make you feel just a little bit better or that make you feel like things are sort of rounding into form at the exact right moment?
0: Uh, okay. so it's hard for me to answer that question honestly, because the easy thing is to say I I was hoping to see this super free flowing attacking soccer. And and I, I guess I was. What but were you realistically I, hoping to that's see? That's the thing, that? right? That's the thing mm-hmm. is we have years worth of evidence that says that's not going to happen, at least at any consistent basis. It's not going to happen for the majority of a game. What I was hoping to see realistically is that we would, we would get glimpses, right? Mm-hmm. That is, I think, kind of where the ceiling is for this U.S. team tactically. Talent-wise, the ceiling is through the roof. In terms of how they play and how they try to turn possession into chances, the, at least as a team, the ceiling is is much, much lower because they've never shown an ability to do anything otherwise. So I wanted to see glimpses, and I wanted to see Vlatko make some some specific bold moves with his lineups. And in some ways, we got both of those things. Maybe not quite as many glimpses as I would've liked, although one came good, very much so for the first goal, which we'll get to in detail later on. That was, for me, the best moment of this game by a wide margin. So there were some some good moments on that front, I like that. And there were some bold decisions made by Black Donovsky with his lineup that I did not expect, and, and I won't go through the whole thing, but seeing Savannah DeMello with Rose Lavelle, we knew that Rose Lavelle was going to be limited, and Donovsky said it leaning into this game, talked about how her role would expand across the tournament as it goes on, that could even look like a start against the Dutch next week, we'll see what that looks like, but the fact that DeMello, who has been the best central midfielder in the NWSL, and I'm not sure how close it's been for the last... 18 months, the last 12 months, certainly this season, the fact that we saw her finally leapfrog Ashley Sanchez and Christy Mewis in that midfield depth chart, I think was excellent. And Donofsky talked about how earlier before this game against uh, against Vietnam, the US had played a closed door friendly against the Philippines while they were off on the other side of the world. And apparently, DeMello did very well in that game. And I guess that was the thing that sort of propelled her higher up the depth chart. She's still gonna be behind Rose Lavelle, Right. But DeMello brings quality. She brings chance creation. She brings comfort on the ball and an ability to turn that into something in the final third that Sanchez, who I think has maybe like one assist in the last 800 or so minutes that she's played for the national team, about about 18 appearances I think that's been. Sanchez hasn't been doing that, and that's just not Mewis's game. I loved that we finally saw Blacko come around on DeMello for this game in particular.
2: Uh, I love that uh, Savannah DeMello by your words, best center midfielder in the NWSL, and it's not close, and yet at the same time, let's go ahead and start Rose Lavelle whenever she's true, fully fit okay, ready true ready to go. That, you're, no, making no, no, good no. you're making some good and, points. You're making some good points. And and I know you wouldn't disagree with that. I just think it, it's it's fascinating that she has been so good, will be, I think, so good uh, for this U.S. team. And yet at the same time, when you see Rose Lavelle come in, she's just such a difference maker. She can do so many different things on the ball, off the ball, uh, taking the ball herself and trying to create something, but then setting up teammates as well. Uh, with the maybe slight caveat that it is in the 63rd minute she comes on, it's against a Vietnam team that I thought, We're going to concede four or five in the second half because they did so much running. They played so physically. They were, uh, they exerted themselves so much. And you could start to see it uh, at the end of the first half and even. Fairly early into the second half that you would see maybe a poke tackle that would send the ball out of bounds and the player would fall over and just take maybe an extra five seconds to get back up. I think the fatigue was there and I think bringing in a a fresh and ready to go Rose Lavelle is probably not a thing a defender is going to love. Speaking of defenders that we love, let's talk Julie Ertz, question Ooh. mark. Uh, did not see her uh, starting this game at center back, thought she would start the game. Uh, so to see her back there, I said this on the BR stream. I assumed that whoever did the lineup got that just completely wrong, and they did get some things wrong, because I think they had Crystal Dunn as a central midfielder. I believe they had Sophia Smith as the number six. That did get changed around pretty quickly, but Juilliard stayed as a right center back, and that is where she played. Joe, I did not see that coming. I'm guessing you did not either. What did you make of Juilliard, the center back once again?
0: Uh, I'll get to what I made in a second. First, first the context, because you got there. It it was a surprise, right? I think... Coming into this tournament, Vlatko Endonofsky with Becky Sauerbrunn injured, Tierna Davidson not selected. She's kind of been outside the U.S. pool for the most part, outside of a, a, one recent cap or a couple of recent caps. But she wasn't chosen for this tournament. So Vlaco brought two center backs, two true center backs: Alana Cook plays in the NWSL and Naomi Gurma, who also plays in the NWSL. Both of those players were expected to start next to each other at this competition. The other two players that we thought would play this spot at some point or could at some point during this tournament, were Julie Ertz and Emily Sonnet. And Julie Ertz, the thought was, okay, if somebody gets hurt, she'll play that spot. By all accounts, Alana Cook is fine. She just wasn't picked for this game. I don't know if there's something going on there that we don't know. Obviously, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know that was the case. But Julie Ertz gets the start. I thought she was, I thought she was fine. Like she didn't have anything to do with the best part of her game, right? She didn't have any defending to do, which is what Julia Ertz is really there to do, right? Vietnam, we mentioned it already. Zero shots, they weren't threatening. The US was in total control the entire match. Ertz, therefore, had very, very little to do on the defensive end of things. In possession, yes, she has that, that long ball that Sophia Smith does something with that maybe other players wouldn't have done something with. I don't think that's like a, a real bright spot for Ertz. I thought her distribution in general was fairly mixed. Lots of of kind of passes that didn't have the right weight on it or, or were just sailing right out of bounds. Set pieces, though, I thought were a, a positive area for Ertz. She is very, very dangerous in those kinds of moments. Tall, physical, good athlete. She and, and Lindsay Horan both are excellent targets inside the box. And I thought even though the U.S. didn't score from one of those moments, I thought in general that was a positive for this team. But yeah, I thought it was a weird choice, Taylor. I really did. Unless, yeah. unless you're, if you're Flacco and Danofsky and you think that Ertz and Gurma is your go-to pairing, then it makes sense. I don't sense. think that's it. But if you don't I, think that, then I don't get it. I,
2: I have I have a couple thoughts. First off, I will say, I thought her distribution was maybe a little bit better than you okay. did. Sure. Uh, looking at the numbers, uh, she's 66 of 79, so 84% overall passing. In terms of long passes, she's, or accurate long balls, she was 9 for 11, so 82%. Um, and where I specifically saw that, I think you're right, some of the kind of long diagonals weren't weighted. And even some of the crosses she did go for, I think she was 0 for 3 on accurate crosses. I think they that those were either under hit or over hit or had too much air on them. But what I did see was her sort of hitting very good balls from like the center of the PO, maybe obviously over to the right, but then sort of spreading it wide into the channel for Trinity Rodman. So it was to Rodman's right. If she was running forward, she'd have the defender on her left, Rodman, and the ball would be in there so that she could kind of take it in stride and carry it forward. And I thought that was not a remarkable pass from Julie Earth, but it's the type of pass that you have to hit with regularity. And she went nine for 11. So there you go. What I would speculate is that, uh, well, let's, let's let's backtrack this for a moment. Let's reverse engineer, shall we? Sure. Do you have any problems with Andy Sullivan starting this game?
0: Uh, not like a big problem, but I I don't love Andy Sullivan in general. Okay. I think she's pretty limited at, at everything outside of maybe set piece delivery, which I, th- I thought was fairly good, but mm-hmm. I, I don't love it. But for this game, ultimately, I, I don't really have a big issue with it.
2: I, I just wonder, basically, if we know Lindsay Horan is going to start at at central midfield, uh, Savannah DeMello seems to have played her way into contention in that sort of Rose Lavelle spot when yep. Rose Lavelle isn't good to go. Yeah. And so I can see a reality in which Vlatko thinks Andy Sullivan has been playing here. Julie Ertz has been out injured. She's only just come back to throw her to the bench in the first World Cup game against Vietnam, where we're probably not going to be under pressure that much. Like, I think he probably thought I I can still start Andy Sullivan, but I cannot bench Julie Ertz. I will put her at center back and I will let her do the defensive thing. I will put her in the game so she gets reps and minutes, but she doesn't have to do a ton of running. She doesn't have to be all over the place, uh, back and forth, back and forth constantly. And so maybe you save her a little bit. And then as the tournament goes on, we see her move into midfield. If we don't, then I guess we can go back and say, nope, that was the center back pairing he liked, which means uh, maybe the Alana Cook
0: give away once a
2: game was just too big of a threat for Vlatko.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's well thought out, Taylor. It's still, I don't think I would have chosen to make the same decision that mm-hmm. Vlatko did. If you're concerned about Juilliard's fitness, which is, is fair enough. She has started a number of games since coming back. She's played now 11 games for club and country this year and, and since her return to, to soccer, period. Like she's, she's gotten some minutes, not a lot though. So I, I'm sympathetic to wanting to ease her back in. The way that I probably would have chosen to do it if I was Black Andonofsky is I would have given her a half, right, half her play either the first half or the second half as the number six, let her get those reps in the spot where, again, my view of I'm Black Andonofsky, I think Julie Ertz, the number six, is an X factor for this team. I don't think Julie Ertz, the center back, is, is really a difference maker at all. I think she's a fine player. I think she can do a good job, but I don't think she's going to change games from that center back spot. Just like I don't think Andy Sullivan is going to change games in the number six spot, or at least not in a positive way. So I would have preferred Ertz get the reps, Sullivan's minutes drop a little bit, and you keep Cook and Germa, even though I don't love Naomi, uh, I don't love, I love Naomi Germa, let me back up. I don't love Alana Cook, excuse me. I'm repenting right now, everybody. It's not true. (laughs) Like, I I guess I would have done things differently, but we'll find out much more about what Vlako really thinks next week against the Dutch. So I think, like, as we... We're obviously very early into this episode, but as
2: we move forward, we're looking for like conclusions from this game, things to keep an eye on as we go forward. And I think going forward to this tournament, the question remains: Where will Julie Earths play for this U.S. team as we get deeper into the competition? So that's one to keep an eye on. One more talking point from the starting eleven, and then we'll take a break, Joe. Let's talk Trinity Rodman, shall we? She starts on the right. Alex Morgan up top. uh, Sophia Smith on the left. Uh, I know that, Joe, maybe if you were pie in the sky dreaming, we have someone else starting centrally, but it was Alex Morgan. Uh, I was not surprised to see Trinity Rodman on the right as a result. Uh, Did that make you mostly
0: happy? It did. Yeah, it did. So I uh, you mentioned the word surprise there. I wasn't surprised to see Trinity Rodman in this spot either. I, I wrote a little thing for Backfield after this game about, you know, surprises from this game and Rodman's inclusion in the lineup was very much not one of them. She was probably always on that inside track to start on the wing opposite of Smith and and next to Alex Morgan. And I think it was the right call. Trinity Robin has been very, very good in the NWSL for years now. She's been a difference maker with club and country. And she wasn't flawless in this game. Nobody was. But I thought she was much she was much more good than bad, frankly. She draws that penalty that Alex Morgan biffs a little bit. She's consistently driving to the there's, end line. There's no little bit about that, my friend. Biffs a lot bit. There we go. Thank you. Amended. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I mean, she is. She's constantly driving to the end line, trying to cut the ball back. It's not always clean, and, and maybe there are times where she's over dribbling. I thought Sophia Smith certainly over dribbled a lot in this game. Hard to get super mad about that when he scored two goals and have an assist. But for Rodman. I liked what she brought. She's direct. She's athletic. She has a little bit more creativity and and sauce to her game than I think any of the other U.S. wide attackers. Maybe Thompson's in that bucket. I'm not sure yet. But I liked Robin in this game. I was glad she started. I thought that was the right call from Andonovsky. And and frankly, I don't see a reason why she should come off that wing in any big game as this tournament continues.
2: Yeah. uh, Megan Rapinoe comes on in the 63rd. Uh, I would say, did not bring her shooting boots, maybe left those on the plane. Maybe she goes back, she gets them off the plane, she puts them on, and then she's better in the next game. Uh, But with that combined with, I thought Rodman did uh, cause enough concern for the Vietnam defense, did try to do some things individually, but I think also played as part of that system. Sophia Smith obviously did the same, so I'm good with the two of them uh, out wide. Joe, we've talked a bit about the lineup. Let's take a break and we'll come back. We'll talk about the maybe...
1: Welcome back to the Total Soccer Show.
2: We've gone through the lineups. We've gone through the initial impressions. Joe, I want to try something a little bit different here. Uh, you have some editorial experience under your belt with Yield and other uh, publications as well. Uh, so I'm going to give you my sort of summary of things as I understand them. And then I welcome you to fine tune or just rip them apart entirely. Ooh, uh, we're but, playing Google Doc live on air. I like this. <laughs> I like this a lot. We are. Um, so... Starting with the fact that you, I think, have long been concerned and many other people, but giving you the credit here from me only have been have been concerned about the U.S. Women's National Team reliance on the individual and reliance on the individual ability to be the difference maker when maybe the team play isn't what it needs to be. I think what I wanted to see was more team play against a team that I expected to work very hard. Vietnam work very hard do some defensive pressing, but then also sit off and bunker and make it really difficult. Uh, I did not expect uh, Tom, the goalkeeper, to be off her line quite so readily. And that was pretty fascinating to watch every single time. But I felt like this was a game in which the United States could stick with the system or stick with trying to play and establish patterns and establish rotations and, and sort of pull defenders out and see what they could create. Or it could be a game where they slid into, I'm going to take five people on and try to beat them and make something happen individually. And I think, I hoped it would be the first one. I feel like it was a blend of the two. Uh, And I don't think that's the worst thing, but I think what that led to was moments when Uh, Trinity Robin would dribble out of bounds. Sophia Smith would dribble out of bounds. A shot would go over. A shot would go wide. A shot wouldn't happen because a player tried to take somebody on and got stuck. And so there were those moments where it felt like, no, don't deviate. (laughs) Just because you can doesn't mean you should. And I think there is a natural tendency for the U.S. to try the individual effort, to try to do something individually. But when... They, they did sort of stick with the rotation, stick with Lindsey Rand is central. Now she's a left back. Uh, Crystal Dunn is now a left center midfielder. Sophia Smith has moved out to the left. Oh, no, wait. Now she's moved central. And Alex Morgan has dropped into like a, a support striker slash number 10 role all of a sudden. Things came off. passes, Passing lanes opened up. Quick little combinations happened. The first goal is a very good example of this. And I felt like we got a mixed bag at the end of the day, but I think there was enough there for me to feel like, okay, I can see sort of what they're trying to do. I think a little, a few more reps, a few more maybe practice sessions now that we've got the opening game underway and just a bit more focus on sticking with the game plan sticking with those combination passes and i think we could see the united states build on this performance from here so that is my broad takeaway from the intended approach versus actual approach joe lowry how say you how much red pen am i getting on that
0: no not not red pen i mean i i think generally that's that's lines up with what I thought. Like Playing Google Doc, I guess, isn't as intense as I thought it would be. Yeah, um, like, All the kids are playing it now. All all the little kids are playing mm-hmm. Google Doc of course. Um, around of course. this time. But, uh, I, Taylor, I agree with a lot of that. The only thing that I guess I, I would fight back on is I feel like this ties into what you asked me from the jump about you know, what I hope to see in this game, which was to see more combination playing, to see them to mm-hmm. see them actually like kind of play a little bit of soccer and, and do the kinds of things that make <laughs> you feel really good when you put it together yeah. on a five-a-side team and it's like ping, 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 ping. That kind of stuff, it it's here in, in bits and pieces, it's here in flashes, but rarely if ever is it actually consistently executed on the field. And so the part that I, I would sort of grapple with a little bit and maybe fight back on is, I'm not sure practice sessions are gonna do it, right? We can talk about, you know, the potential Get, is there. I'm not and, gonna lie; I didn't feel confident throwing that one out yeah. there. you are correct. to spot like that, when tear
2: and tear that one down a little bit, that was maybe me reaching a little bit, but and it's being optimistic slash
0: hopeful. It's and I don't know. That's always a bad. I don't know that that's always <laughs> a bad thing to be. It is. It is always possible. Like again, the talent of this team yeah. is so high that it is not out of the realm of possibility that they do figure some of these things out on the fly. I just don't think we have any evidence to think that that change is going to come from Vlacco at this point. The U.S. with their personnel and with the evidence we have on them will always thrive much more in an open game than they will in a congested one. And Vietnam did their best to make this into a fairly congested game. Although with, yes, they defended, they with how they defended with how they in some of the minutiae there, there were openings to the U.S. And they did take advantage of some of those. But in general, regardless of, of what's going to happen in the next game or whether they can improve in, the, in this particular area, Yeah, I think the U.S. always come out with the idea of wanting to have the ball, wanting to be creative, wanting to play as a unit. Rarely, if ever, do we actually see that for the majority of 90 minutes.
2: I feel like I I took like five shots in there and Joe waited for the one that was like the most just like fully rejectable and went for that block. And uh, yes, Joe, you are correct to point out that maybe training isn't going to be the difference maker for this team. What then could be do you feel like is it sticking with just like basically I talked about this on the live stream like does Vlatko need to be pep a little bit does he need to to have words with players who are trying to do too much on their own or does he risk sort of removing sort of what makes some of these individuals the special talents they are if you're asking them not to do the individual thing not to try to take people on not try to to try to create chaos but to instead play within a system like what's the balance do you think for this team and for Vlatko? Or what's the balance yeah, you would like to see?
0: I don't think... I'll be honest in, in this... I don't want to turn this into a Vlatko, like, like dump on Vlatko session. I'll try not to, because I I know I'm in control of whether that happens or not. But I I genuinely do not believe there is anything that Vlatko Andonovsky is capable of doing that will change how this U.S. team plays in a mm-hmm. dramatic way, other than, like, overhauling the lineup or, or, like, changing a pressing shape or something along those lines. I... We just have no, I said the word evidence like a thousand times, and I'm sorry for that on this show. We just have no evidence whatsoever that he is capable of instilling any sort of game plan with any group of players at the national level, right? In the Olympics, right? Ahead of the Olympics, different roster. I think there's only 10 players that are carried over from that that, uh, that, that squad that went to Tokyo. It was bad soccer, like really bad soccer. And it came back to bite the US. They didn't have the attacking verve, the, the, the quality as a unit to go and, and break through the other top teams in the world. They didn't even really get to some of those teams, to be honest. Now we're at the World Cup, and, and things are good. Again, like I started on a positive note, there are lots of positive things to take away, but the reality is, like, Vlaka has just never shown that he can instill a productive attacking philosophy into a team. So yeah, if he could transform into Pep, maybe that's the thing. But I don't even think, like, adopting any Pepisms or, or like, really trying to put his fingers in the pot a little bit deeper. I don't think any of that's going to help. Maybe I, I'm just a, a pessimist about this no. particular right. element.
2: Let me ask you this then. Like, I, I know we want to avoid pessimism. I know we want to avoid coming out of this and thinking like, only 3-0? You beat Thailand 13-0. No, this is a terrible result. What's wrong with this team? I, I, I think we also want to avoid the, hey, 3-0, and, you know, right. yeah, it wasn't great, right. but there's stuff to build on. I, I guess, like, the, the best way I can ask this, Joe, is like, honestly... If somebody said, like, hey, what would you make of the U.S. game last night? Is your takeaway sort of, yeah, it was good. We'll see what happens. Like, it, yep. it feels like you're yes. sort of positive, but still very much verdict is out, jury is out on uh, on the overall team right now.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a perfect summary. Like, lots of fun things because the U.S. is a team filled with mm-hmm. fun players. Like, Sophia Smith had two goals. The first goal was awesome and was, like, the best bit of soccer that we saw, basically, in this game. Yeah. That was so much fun. And we saw good bits, like it's great to have Juilliard's back. Naomi Gurma is a rock, as always, and was very, very solid. I love Savannah DeMello, and love that she got to play and really impact games. Lots of individual fun things, but like that's just, we already knew that, basically, about this US team. We didn't really learn a whole lot more about these individual players, and I'm not sure, other than Vlaco's lineup choices, that we really learned a whole lot more about this team, either. This was always likely to be a win. It was a win, the US was in control, they were dominant enough. Like they got the job done when we really start to learn both because Vlatko threw some curveballs with his squad and because of the actual quality of the opponent will be next week against the Netherlands. I think that is that is very, very clear right now. That's fair. And I think that is accurate.
2: I will say this. I look at those first 15 minutes, which feature a lot of fouls from Vietnam and then a goal as being very, very positive for my sort of hopes for this team, because if you expected Vietnam to come out and be sort of cautious, be sort of overwhelmed, it's their first ever World Cup. Uh, it's it's certainly their biggest opponent ever <laughs> against the United States. Uh, and, and if you expected them to come out and be cautious, to sit back, to be a little bit overawed by the occasion, I think they went the opposite route. I think they came out very physical, very aggressive. They went into challenges and... More than just fouling, there was also an intentionality to this of slowing the game down, of letting the ball go out of bounds and and maybe taking a couple extra seconds from the jump to restart. Uh, but fouling players and then standing over the ball and trying to stop things and trying to be disruptive and also didn't get called for a couple of things in those first few minutes. I think there were I, I had it as four fouls inside three minutes, only two of which were called. So. For the United States, when the game starts off that way and it suddenly feels like, oh, this is going to be a fight, it's going to be a slog, they're going to make this really difficult. I think we've seen U.S. teams in the past too readily revert to long ball individual effort and rely on superior individual ability. And I thought maybe that's how this was going to shape up until that goal. That opening goal is a perfect system goal in my mind it is lindsey huran being excellent on the ball controlling it taking it a little bit inside and then playing it's not a no look and it's not like a full reverse pass but it's it's a great sort of disguised pass i'll say into the feet of alex morgan who i didn't think had a particularly good game this evening but this moment she did she checks back uh lindsey huran finds her in stride so that she has the kind of one touch flick into the is that a half space, Joe, where Sophia Smith was?
0: Uh, I'll be honest. I don't totally remember where Sophia Smith was in that moment. Uh, if it's like the outer corridor like sure. of the box, yeah, yeah, I think that would, that would count okay. as the half space. There we go.
2: Cool. I'm using it correctly. Hooray. But but that and and that to me is what they were trying to do, that Lindsey Iran would move into that sort of, again, I guess, half space, a little bit deeper sort of fullback region. Crystal Dunn would either move central herself or she would press high or step higher. And that would allow uh, Sophia Smith, in this case, to move more in towards the middle. And then Alex Morgan drops in and you've rotated around. Vietnam, I think we're trying to track individuals. So Alex Morgan has a defender on her back. Uh, the back line kind of steps with that defender and she's able to play that ball in. Sophia Smith has has moved into the right space and then makes that run. And it's a great finish from her. And so to me, in this moment, the United States responded to that individual play, that physical play from Vietnam with a team goal, with a good passing goal. It's not, you know, a 26 pass move or anything like that, but it doesn't need to be when it ends up at the back of the net via quick combination play. That made me feel more optimistic about this team than I've been in a good long while.
0: Yeah, these are these are the kinds of moments that make you think like, wow, this this is something special, right? Beyond the moments where Sophia Smith goes and, and beats four players and does something amazing or Trinity Rodman does it on the other side. Like these are the moments that make you think, okay, when those players meet a really good fullback and a really good center back coming over to help, like this team actually might have something more to give when they recycle possession in those moments. Like, this was such a beautiful piece of soccer, and we don't see a lot of with the with the USWNT, so it was awesome to get to see it in this game. Taylor, you described it really well. That initial ball from Horan is incredibly saucy, just, like, yep. loaded with sauce, and I'm glad that that will be the thing that we talk about for Lindsey Horan from this game rather than her uh, being politely <laughs> asked to take a seat in the 37th minute when her ankles are... Just crushed into a fine powder. We don't need Is to talk impo- about that. We can we can there's talk about that. Nothing polite about
2: that, my friend. There's nothing polite <laughs> about that. Yeah, like, She got cut and she went over and she did not like it and she scrambled to her feet. Yes. Uh, but yeah, there's no coming back from that one. You gotta just gotta sit there and accept the humiliation for about five seconds.
0: As somebody who very clearly remembers getting his ankles destroyed in junior high basketball. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I have a lot of sympathy for Lindsey Horan, who, who and I have a very clearly competed at similar athletic levels, and our, our ceilings are very, very similar. No, yeah. I mean, like, that, that was a bad moment for Horan, but the pass was beautiful in the 14th minute. And the timing, like, the timing is all so good. It looks coordinated, it looks cohesive. Morgan, who has, has really struggled in a lot of recent games, has struggled a lot in the NWSL. Like, her goal-scoring <laughs> numbers are, are have cratered from last year yeah. to this year with the San Diego Wave. She, she was awesome in this moment, timing a run, a little bit of a, a movement off the back line, having still players behind her, flicking it back for Sophia Smith, who times her run in the left side of the box very, very well. Also, it is just, I have down in my notes like a description of the play and then just like dash, awesome goal. And I have nothing mm. else written. It is an awesome goal. We don't see this stuff enough. I hope desperately that we do see more of it. Again, I'm not optimistic necessarily about that being the case, but any time mm the U.S. can pull off a move like this, like it instantaneously transforms them into a better team that is more capable of winning this World Cup.
2: Uh, Sticking with Lindsey Horan for a moment, it's an interesting performance because it's why you often say, Joe, don't just go with the stats. If you look at her on paper and you remove the goal, especially... It's it's not great, the numbers. Forty six of sixty-three passing, so seventy-three percent. She's one for five in shot accuracy, uh zero for one in crosses, one for five in long balls. Uh Groundle's one nine for sixteen, so about fifty percent. But Larger than that, I think, is that a lot of those passes, maybe there's a few that are mishit, a few uh, that she could have done better. But I think it is her trying to thread the needle on occasion. It's her trying to make something happen rather than fully just trying to take it on herself and dribble some people. So I felt like she was trying to keep the ball moving. She was trying to find those gaps. But I also remember time and time again her... Winning duels and just bring because Vietnam were routinely just clearing the ball. Get rid. Uh, there'd be one player up top sort of chasing things down. in Hyun. but for the most part, there was not a ton of pressure on the U.S. back line. But Lindsey Horan would win the ball like headed back in when she needed to. But then would also just bring the ball down and reestablish possession, and I felt like she was so good as a controlling presence in the midfield. Uh, then there's the goal and and uh, the the setup for that pass for the first goal. It it was a very strong performance for me. It was one of my favorite Lindsay Horan performances because I do think sometimes she could be a little bit of a frustrating player. Tonight she was not.
0: Yeah this this was a good game for Lindsay Horan uh, and, and a, the right opponent as well. Right, we mentioned Vietnam being very defensive. They were also like player oriented in how they defended, right? Think think man marking Mm -hmm. in a lot of these moments. They had extra numbers back. Like there were consistently five or six players across the back line. But as soon as somebody came in their vertical channel, or as soon as they they realized, okay, this is my player, this is my midfielder, I got to track them, like they would track inside their own defensive third. And Lindsey Horan, what, what frustrates me at times is her lack of mobility. I feel like as Injuries have maybe taken a bigger toll on her career. She's been dealing with a little bit of a knee issue over the last several months, and that's, that's been something that she's had to deal with in the past as well. Like, I feel like she doesn't often move off the ball quite as well as she used to, especially for a player whose value, who, who really adds value. I shouldn't say it's her only value, but really adds value crashing the box as like an aerial threat because of, of her frame. Like, she's good at that stuff and, and maybe can't do that quite as much anymore. But man, what she does so well, though, in possession is combined. Like the mm-hmm. U.S. doesn't have a lot of players who want to combine. Co- combine. Lindsey Horan is one of those, and you could see it on this goal of her, like kind of kicking things in in the 14th minute. You could see, you could see it when Rose Lavelle came off the bench. And there's some moments I don't have it in my notes, but there's a, a moment at least when those two players start to combine and really move in midfield. And those moments give me joy because that's like why soccer is so fun to watch, is those little passing and, and moving combinations. But it also gave me joy to see that from Horan, who I think is is maybe not been in a position to succeed quite that much, or, you know, maybe just hasn't been at her best and now in this game wasn't maybe still quite at her best, but did a lot of good things in Vietnam being more willing to open themselves up and to step out to then create those little slivers of space for a player like Haran to, to kickstart something. It was it was just fun to watch Haran for large stretches of this one.
2: Agreed. Uh, One other little note there Uh, in the 65th minute, another sequence that I saw a few different times, but this was one of the better ones. Uh, Naomi on the ball, she has another sort of like that like reverse driven pass into, into Lindsey Rand's feet Haran controls it perfectly with the defender on her back sort of faints one way half turns the other and then hits an inch perfect ball out wide to Emily Fox in the channel now Vietnam who have collapsed and sort of crowded the middle have to shift over really quickly and then Emily Fox I think pings it in nothing comes of it that might be one of the Megan Rapinoe misses uh, but either way it's that sort of quick combination team passing move that you need when you're playing against a team that is trying to be ultra defensive so i think again uh, good work from her good distribution good individual effort uh well done lindsey ran uh joe let's take one more break then we'll talk about some more moments some var some individual players and what comes next for the team back soon
1: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
2: Welcome back. Joe Lowry. We talked about this in the BR uh, live stream. Let's talk about it now. VAR. VAR had an interesting evening, <laughs> didn't it? Uh, starting with the the penalty uh, for the United States in the first half. Uh, Trinity Rodman pretty clearly taken down. I was shocked it wasn't given live. Like, there is obvious contact. Uh, Trinity Rodman goes down in the box. No penalty given. Then it goes to VAR, and I think... Oh, OK. So it's just the official knowing that VAR is there. She doesn't want to kind of make the wrong call initially, uh, but she'll go to the camera right away and, and we'll see this. And then it took so long. It took so, so long and so many different angles, so many not necessary angles. The one from behind the back that you can't really see anything that we saw 20 times didn't make much sense to me, but especially didn't make sense to me because from the end line, you could see that. The defender doesn't touch the ball at all. Uh, I think that was Wong uh, coming back. or maybe that was Tran. I forget. Uh, but either way, the defender does not make any contact on the ball, makes double contact with Trinity Rodman. The ball continues. All you have to do is watch the ball and note that there is no deflection. There's no change in the spin. It just continues to roll on. And Trinity Rodman falls down. Uh, but eventually we get the VAR decision penalty given. Alex Morgan steps up and takes a very, very poor penalty. Uh, the type of penalty that made me think that she second guessed it as she was hitting it and had meant to do something else, but she almost hits it with her heel, is what it looks like, or like very much the, the back part of her foot when she's instepping it. She puts it In the exact height that you do not want to hit it, and she hits it very central, not a good penalty kick from Alex Morgan. Uh, The the assist for the first goal aside, I would say not a very good night on the whole for Alex Morgan, Uh, but... An, an iffy performance from VAR as well, because then we also have the the second goal that goes to VAR. It takes a long time. We don't get a ton of transparency until the until se- the second half when we learn that Alex Morgan was indeed on side. So the goal definitely should have stood. But uh, for a moment, it felt like VAR was just uh, running in slow motion for good chunks of this game.
0: Yeah, it, it kind of felt like this was the first half, especially that would never end. I think we got nine yeah. minutes of stoppage time in the second yeah. half as well. I kind of forgot about that at the at the the last World Cup, and now it's it's just good to see. Me it too. feels it feels like I'm back yeah. in Brooklyn that we're getting these <laughs> you know twenty minutes of stoppage time per game. It's what this one needed. Certainly, we needed more of, of Vietnam not taking of course, shots. Of course, of uh, course, it took way too long, right? Genuinely, all these these both of those decisions took far far too long to actually come down the pipeline. And one thing, one thing that I am still sort of confused about for this new change of having the, the official go look at the monitor, they're, they're talking with VAR, they're getting all this stuff figured out. Then they'll hop on the mic and explain to the audience, like live and, and to the TV audience and to the audience in person, NFL style, like what the call is. The, the challenge for me, and I, I you made a very good point on the BR show, Taylor, about you know, not English not necessarily being the first language for some of these mm-hmm. folks. And so it can be hard. and it, I would have a hard time doing this in another language, articulating why a decision was or wasn't made. But I do not see any point to them just going out and announcing the call, which yeah. is what everybody would have figured out, like even if they hadn't talked. I mean, I guess it adds a tiny bit more clarity. But like explain it. Not, like tell us, not really. just say Alex Morgan, number thirteen in white was onside, therefore there was no offside, there was no illegal interference, the goal stood. Sophia Smith scores, US up 2-0. Like, just do that. It doesn't have to be complicated, but I guess it it actually does. That's my mistake. It does have to be complicated, and more importantly, (laughs) it has to take a long time. Well, So, like, a couple of things there. It
2: it really doesn't add anything, what what they're doing now, the system as it is, because the only difference is just that it's verbalizing the hand signal. Exactly. Because saying... After VAR decision or VAR review, decision is penalty. It just feels like all you're doing is like setting up drama more than anything. They seem to do that. Like the decision is goal. Like there's always this weird pause. But like when the referee just draws the, the rectangle and then points at the spot, like, you know that a penalty has been given. So saying a penalty has been given. Doesn't really add a ton of clarity. And and I think, Joe, your example there of Alex Morgan is is an excellent one. That if there were a... Uh, the attacker, not like number 13, or you can go Alex Morgan, whatever you want to do, uh, was judged to have been onside uh, by, like, this defender kept her on, therefore the goal uh, is valid. Or explaining that it was initially given as offside, number 13 was judged to be onside, therefore the goal is valid. We get that. But instead... I came away in the first half thinking, oh, she looks pretty clearly offside. So maybe it's that because she doesn't win the header, the goalkeeper comes and punches it clear. So maybe she wasn't materially involved. Are we still doing materially involved? I'm not sure. And and it, it ends up sort of more confusing until we eventually get the graphic that shows that she was onside. So I'm sure it's a thing that we'll see evolve and be fine-tuned, but I'm not loving it aside from the drama of, it's a goal, and then Sophia Smith yeah. gets to celebrate.
0: Yeah, it's it's what I'll say is I don't think it's worse. Like that, I, ultimately, I don't think it's a bad change, and probably. That little bit of clarity because I think folks are in that stadium and they're either celebrating a goal or they don't really realize what's going on. Ultimately, VAR gives them like eight minutes to figure out what's going on. That's a good point. I don't see any downside to what they're doing, but in general, it's not making any real positive change. So maybe this is me backtracking like ever so slightly on what I said before. But there's room to do better. That's all I'm saying. I I think actually you've just
2: made the good, but I, I think probably obvious point that I should have thought of, which is that maybe it's not for us maybe it is that in the stadium i can imagine a scenario in which the official goes to i mean we kind of saw it at the uh, at all-star that the for two different var decisions at the all-star game got to get it right got to get it right why ride? not but like you don't they're not showing it on the on the big screen it just says like var check you see the official go over look at the tiny screen and then turn and point and If you are in a raucous stadium, which we were not, but if you were, um, or a loud stadium where there are tons of distractions, just hearing a whistle blow and then a point and the crowd sort of cheers one way or the other might not be enough. And so maybe if you're in the stadium, having a person say out loud as the decision is being made via review, it is a goal. It is a penalty. Maybe that just helps you in the stadium have... Just that little extra clarity as opposed to what I think has happened previously, which is official points, penalty is given. And then maybe 10 seconds later, the stadium announcer says penalty given. And maybe that's just what they're trying to avoid. So maybe I should just give a little bit of credit for it happening in the stadium. But I still think for us at home, it doesn't add a ton. Then again, I'm not sure the rules experts do either because Dr. Joe was really talking out of both sides of his mouth on the uh, the Trinity Rodman penalty. Uh, we talked about this on the stream. I just enjoyed that he was like, well, you know, we have to see if there's contact. It seems like she also maybe got the ball a little bit, so it might be, but you understand why it wouldn't be, but you understand why it would be. And JP, Della Camera and Allie Wagner were both like, okay, thanks. To me, it's a penalty. Yep, to me, it's a penalty. <laughs> like they, were, they were pretty clear. So uh, VAR aside joe what else shall we talk about uh before we we call this one reviewed uh we we talked about lindsey Aran getting a goal we talked about the uh, sophia smith second goal so two goals and an assist for her not a bad way to start her world no, cup uh what other individuals did you find impressive or not impressive
0: yeah i, I want to stick with the wing for just a second and do one more beat on smith and then i want to go to megan rapinoe sure. also after that sophia smith again I will not be complaining in any macro way about a performance that involves two goals and an assist. Like Sophia Smith was involved in every I like, goal. I feel
2: like there's a butt coming there, here, Joe. There
0: very much is a but coming. Like goals are the most important thing you can do in soccer. Scoring goals is great. And if Sophia Smith continues to score two goals and grab an assist in every game from now until the end of time, I will be thrilled and I will shut my trap about anything that went wrong in her game. What I will say though is this. I, see, I didn't say but. I said what I will say though. That's clever play on my part. I feel what, like the,
2: the the pause can be filled with a however, but whatever can, you want to go with. It, Joe. Can,
0: it can be filled with a however or a um, in so as. It can be filled with anything. It's not so a but as. in this case. Um, <laughs> it is. I don't, know, I don't know where I pulled that. It one from. is getting close to <laughs>
2: one o'clock in the morning.
0: Um, for for Taylor to be clear, um, yeah. it's nine thirty for me. I'm doing great. Um, but what I will <laughs> oh, there's the but. but what I will say about Sophia Smith is. She over-dribbled a lot. I hate that you were Mm. right. She over-dribbled a lot in this game. Like, she was maybe feeling the, the hero ball complex a little bit, which is kind of just how Sophia Smith plays soccer, to be fair. Like, that is part of what makes her so special is her audacity. Like, her willingness to try and put a shoulder down and dribble through five players, and that mixed with the fact that she's very, very technically skilled and keeps the ball on a rope most of the time. Like, she can pull off those kinds of moves, But when there's so many other good players around her, she doesn't always need to, right? And and for somebody playing in her first World Cup game, so much room for her to improve, which is scary after, again, scoring two goals and having an assist in this game, granted, against not the best opposition. But I think there's so much more for Sophia Smith to do and so much more she can do to hit her ceiling in between the boxes, right? Like, she works hard defensively. She's very direct and, I think, good with a lot of her off-ball movement. She's oftentimes very, very good in the box, regularly outperforms her XG, which which maybe is a good sign for her, given her level. Like, I just am, am waiting for her to lay the ball off now and then, to not feel the need to go through and, and put everything on her shoulders. There's the 21st minute where she tries to over dribble, loses the ball, the same thing happens. It's like you could almost lay the sequences on top of each other in the 24th minute, like just three minutes later, she again, maybe like goldfish brain. I'm, I'm gonna do it, like this is the time when I do it. I, I didn't just lose the ball, it didn't happen. And again, part of that's what makes her so special, but also I think there's wisdom that hopefully will come with experience of knowing, hey, if I lay the ball off here, we're going to be able to recycle move it to over to to train on the other side and she's going to benefit right instead of all all of it you know kind of being on her shoulder. So, I think there's a little bit of work for Sophia Smith to be done there and some of those turnovers in general for the US, not just Smith, but some of those turnovers will be punished by a team that that frankly is just not Vietnam going the other way again zero shots for them. So that that's my bit on Smith. I think there's room to improve. Rapino quickly I did not think she was very good. Like she found some spots in the box, which is great. And I do value players getting into high quality scoring spots, but her execution like in and around the box was, was really poor. The fact that she was the first winger off the bench, I'm trying not to read too much into that, but that genuinely does concern me a little bit because I think it's pretty clear and has been clear for a while now that she is the the worst winger on this roster, just from a pure playing standpoint. Like, Thompson played, which is great. Lynn Williams is very, very talented. She's been better in in the NWSL. Like, those are the players, in my view, that should be playing in a game where you're trying to get a little bit more on the board. Rapino, I I thought, struggled tonight.
2: Yep, no arguments for me. Uh, Yeah, she has the one that the commentators generously said was like a cross back into the box, but I'm pretty sure she is going for a sort of in-step finish to the far back post but she mishits that one and then obviously she miss mishits the rose lavelle cutback that i think if she's able to get her hips around she can pass pretty easily into the goal but i think she's caught kind of flat-footed she's overrun it a little bit and so she has to try to adjust and she just can't uh tough to judge an entire performance or like an entire 27 minute performance 27 and change off those two moments but those are the moments that you might not get again against the Dutch, and you have to take at least one of those or take them cleanly. Uh, and I think with the other talents that the United States has, I won't mind if there's a little more experimentation there. I will mind if we see, I don't know, Sophia Smith and Megan Rapino in the next game, because I think Trinity Rodman did enough for me and was a, 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 a strong enough player, drawing the penalty, taking uh, the ball to opposition players. But then also I felt like at times... Doing what you wished Sophia Smith had done and just recycling, turning back and saying, you know what, never mind. This is not this is not the moment. I'm gonna cut it back. I'm gonna try to find it maybe that's cutting it all the way back to um, to Emily Fox. Maybe it's cutting it back to a central midfielder. But then other times I would see her dribble like towards goal cut it back and then turn and go back towards the end line and get across in and there's an unpredictability there in the variety of the approach that i think uh made me excited for trinity rodman and made me want to see more of her so yeah rodman Sophia smith joe they're pretty good you heard it here first yeah
0: this first definitely
2: first Mm -hmm. no one else has said it before um this is we're breaking
0: ground yes
2: Hey, we did it. Uh, any other individuals you want to talk about? We haven't talked a ton about pretty much anyone in the defense or yeah. Alyssa Nair, but there wasn't a ton to talk about. I thought Emily Fox, especially in the second half, Gets more involved in the attack, uh, carries the ball forward, passes the ball forward, gets some shooting opportunities. I really liked what I saw from her. Uh, there's the strange moment in the first half where the ball is cleared and she has to chase it down and then kind of keeps carrying it back towards her goal. And I thought I was going to try to ping it all the way back to a listener and instead does a little step over turn uh, and draws what should have been a U.S. throw, but instead it was given to Vietnam because reasons. Uh, but I, I enjoyed what I saw from uh, Emily Fox on both sides of the ball, albeit against a Vietnam team that weren't. Really, mustering much in the way of the attack.
0: Yeah, the defense in general was solid. I don't really have anything more to say about them than what you just got through. My my other like, really, my last thing about the U.S. from this game is more about how what we saw today Mm -hmm. impacts what we'll see against the Netherlands. Right? It is it is those lineup calls, and we kind of led with that in the show. And I think it does make sense to to bookend it. Like, where does Julie Ertz play? Does she play? I I would assume so. But do you really want to risk playing Julie Ertz next to Naomi Gurma after just one game that they've ever played together in the back line versus having Alana Cook next to Gurma? Surely you would feel a little more comfortable with that. At least I would imagine you would. Do we see Ertz play the number six spot over Andy Sullivan and get her first start for the national team in years since the Olympics in a big game against the Netherlands? Like there's, It kind of feels to me like there's no real obvious answer to that question. They're both with downsides and both with some upsides but what that looks like I'm curious about and the, really the only other I think question other than where Ertz plays is does Rose Lavelle start yeah and I, I, yep. I kind of want her to I've also thought Demello was good though and I wouldn't be opposed to, to Lavelle coming off the bench in the second half maybe it's at halftime instead of in the 63rd or 62nd minute whatever it was you know maybe that's something that Vlaco is is staying up pretty late thinking about over the next couple of nights ahead of that game against the Netherlands but Those two decisions, when that lineup drops, just like when it dropped today and we were kind of scrambling, thinking what's going on here, I think those two things will be the first things that I'm looking for when that comes out on Wednesday.
2: I won't be surprised if it's the same lineup. Uh, I I think because if you are managing Rose Lavelle's minutes, there's an argument of, well, pausing that point, I think there's an argument of Rose Lavelle can be such a difference maker, is so talented, that starting her against the most difficult team in this group uh, is, is a no-brainer. At the same time, if you are managing her minutes, uh, I can see an argument for letting uh, demello go again and, and sort of sticking with the same starting eleven and letting it be more of a, a double pivot, or even what I saw a lot of times was that midfield three, just being very tight in in almost a V shape, but then very central and just trying to clog the middle. And I could see Vladko going for the exact same team, going for a little bit of an improvement in certain areas and then having Rose Lavelle come in and be an impact player Uh, and maybe I don't know Joe who who else would you like to see as an impact player against the Dutch if it's if it's nil nil or if the U.S. is chasing who are the players that if they're coming on to the 60th minute you feel better about like I I don't know if I want Megan Torpedo coming on if the United States is chasing
0: I would go with Lynn Williams into that Mm -hmm. front line and move Sophia Smith to the number nine like As much as it it does frustrate me a bit that Alex Morgan just continues to be the legacy option at that number nine, even though her performances maybe don't justify it. The the beauty of of Vlaco continuing to have her as the nine is that like things can change very very quickly if it's not going well. Like Morgan, I want to be clear, still has a lot to add. Her movement is sharp. I think her ability to find space in the box is very good. Even though she wasn't perfect tonight, I still like a lot of what she brings. But if it's not going well. You slide Sophia Smith centrally, and you put on Lynn Williams, a player that I think is better suited to impact games in a positive way than Megan Rapinoe at this point. Not that Rapinoe doesn't have things to add to, but I would go with Williams. Then you have this sort of all-action, dynamic, aggressive front three. It's the same one that ended that game against Wales and and had real success. I would love to see DeMello come off the bench if things aren't going well, or Lavelle, whoever's not starting, and then Lynn Williams, or even Alyssa Thompson. Like There's so many of those options. And we didn't see them all tonight, which is is even maybe a, a bit scary for the Netherlands.
2: How controversial of a decision do you think it would be if he sat Alex Morgan? Not from a your perspective, your feelings right, on Alex right. Morgan's standpoint, Joe, but more of a it feels like an instant uh, point to criticize him with if things go poorly.
0: It, it does. And, and that's why it's it's going to be a risky move. I recognize that I'm in the minority here, certainly among... Like folks that talk not, about or cover not this, not on this team. show. Not on this show. That's good. I mean, we are kind of in the same boat. There were some text exchanges yeah. about this, by the way, for, mm-hmm. for listeners. Um, like the I words Vlaka, "over" and "rated" combined together may have been texted. Yes. Yeah. I didn't understand what "rated over" meant, but Taylor just continued to go with it after <laughs> after a while. Uh, like, I think Vlaka will face genuine criticism if he doesn't start Alex Morgan in, in the U.S. struggle. Versus if he does start Morgan and they struggle, that's not going to be something that really any of the folks that are down, in my impression at least, that many of the folks down in Australia and New Zealand will be complaining about. right? I don't think they're going to be writing about it. I don't think that's going to be something that, that Blacko is dealing with backlash over. So the safe bet is obviously continuing to start Alex Morgan because that's what everybody expects. And, and basically, nobody seems to have a problem with that. Uh, the, the challenge is you know, it, it's, it's a matter of weighing whether it's worth ducking out on some criticism or, like, if you want to give your team the best chance to win. And in my view, and Taylor and in yours as well, that mm-hmm. might not always involve Alex Morgan eating up the minutes in, in that central attacking spot.
2: Do you want to avoid criticism or win? I feel like I know which one of those I would prefer. Joe, final question for you. You talked earlier. I'm probably unfairly paraphrasing, but basically saying, like, there's not a ton Vlatko uh,
0: can do like is it fair to say like to change your opinion of him yeah i mean it, other than us like other than me just straight up being wrong and the u.s mm-hmm. playing this awesome soccer that isn't just relying on sophia smith beating four dudes and, and mm-hmm. going to do something awesome like if that happens my opinion will change and i'll shut up forever it's just i don't think that's gonna happen
2: just sitting alex morgan change your opinion
0: it helps yeah it helps move the needle i i still think there are bigger problems than mm-hmm. just about who's playing the nine spot but Fair. Getting a little extra talent on the field for a team that is exceedingly talent driven. Yeah, I'm, I'm into that idea. We shall see what happens Wednesday at 9 p.m.
2: versus the Netherlands. We'll be back to talk about that one. We will talk about many other games in between that game and this. But for now, Joe Lowry, thank you so much for staying up late uh, to finish the game uh, because... Added time, injury time, whatever. Uh, but then also to do the VR stream with me. That was very fun. And to do this review as well. Also, quite fun.
0: Yeah, all good stuff. I love talking about this team. They are a lot of fun. A lot of these players are awesome. I am stoked for that game against the Netherlands next week. You're going
2: down the Dutch. I hope you're ready for it. Listeners, Ooh, thanks so much for it. listening. We'll talk to you again very soon.